0: Welcome back, Nod Pod. Thank you guys so much for joining me for another episode of Chasing Heroin. Tank is, like, glaring at me. Tanky, I have to make this intro. Like, I just so interrupted his, his chew toy time. He's, like, glaring. This dog has so much attitude. It's unreal. Anyways... Welcome back guys. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Chasing Heroin. Today we are revisiting an episode from season two that I know that you guys really enjoyed at the time and I think you'll get a lot out of again. So if you're new to the episode and it's the first time hearing it, you're going to love it. And if you've heard it before, I think you guys are going to enjoy hearing it again. And I think it's worth revisiting because we talk about the third step prayer in AA and how it really assisted my recovery early on and continues to help me now. So I want to say this too, because I do end up talking about the third step prayer. But first I tell a story of mine. I was living on the beach and what my ex and I were telling people, we like lived in a beach mansion. It was actually an abandoned house and we were squatting and I thought the cops showed up and I ran away and it was a whole thing. So that's the initial story. And then we talk about the third step prayer. And I want to say this because upon re-listening to this episode, I don't really think I said it enough the first time. The third step prayer is offered in AA, right? It's offered in 12-step as a sort of a call to action prayer, right? As a way to get through your day or get through a moment. But what I want to say is any spiritual principle will do here. And if you guys listen to the episode with Dr. Peg O'Connor, we know so many things can be used for a higher power. It can just simply be like, A better version of yourself that you believe is out there like faith that things can be better and that's all you need to say this prayer so so don't let the word prayer throw you off right that's the term in the book but you don't necessarily have to have like you know the a a typical like christian sense of god and jesus and most people in 12 step in my experience don't have that so don't let the wording of that throw you and then i get into the way that The third step really helped me and I made it my own and I encourage you guys to make it your own also and make these words like come alive for you and work for you. So also it's great to hear Kim's voice again when I was listening. I was like, oh Kim, some of you guys might remember our OG therapist co-host who moved to San Francisco. She did such a good job. I loved recording the show with her. So anyways, Nod Pod, as always, please let me know what you guys think. DM me your comments. I love posting them in Instagram story. I'll always hide your name, but it's a great way for us to help get more people a part of the Nod Pod community, right? And try to help more people. So hope you guys enjoy the show and I'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Chasing Heroin on this day. Kim and I are super excited to be back for season two.
1: Yeah, we're back.
0: So we had 21 episodes in the first season and took like a two-month break. We got some better equipment. We did. Yeah, and figured out how to hopefully make our sound a little bit better. So thank you guys for hanging in with us last season. There was definitely some audio stuff that I think we could have improved on, but I feel like we did.
1: Right. The content was good. The content was was great.
0: We had amazing guests for our first season. Definitely. I'm kind of shocked at who we got guest wise. Yeah. You know, so how was your, I saw you every day. So this feels a little fake, (laughs) but for the listeners, how was your break? How was your two month break? It was good. I mean,
1: things are opening back up, can start traveling, which is my love of life. You know what I realized?
0: (laughs) You said that you said, I think not traveling. I think it was in a text to me. Yeah. You said, I think not traveling. I think it will be better for my mood. Oh, yeah. When you said that, I realized I was like, okay, so I've known you five years. Right. And I was like, you know what? Her mood has been a little down (laughs) this year. And I didn't, but I didn't think
1: about it until you said that. I don't even think that like maybe I realized it. Right. Because it was, I mean, it became normal to do nothing essentially for a year and a half. But it was like, yeah, I normally have like Alex to have something planned or have something planned with girlfriends. Totally. Something planned to look forward to is so helpful. right? Um. Even if it's, you know, a little thing, but right. traveling is such a big part of my life. Right. It was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> I go
0: nowhere and do nothing, as you know. So this year was like the same for me. I, I actually enjoyed it because I was like, haha, nobody
1: can go anywhere. <laughs> no excuse. Yeah.
0: Everybody just has to work with yeah. me all the time, you know. Yep. Um, but yeah, when you said that, I realized I was like, oh, traveling is part of her gig. Yeah. So I'm glad you got to go to Chicago for the fourth. That oh, yeah. It was very fun.
1: Um. Okay, guys.
0: So. If you are a newer listener, the premise of the podcast is so the reason why the name of the podcast is chasing heroin on this day is because either myself or another addict talks about where we were on this day in history Mm -hmm. versus where we are now, because I really think it's powerful to show how low someone can be versus the heights that they can get to and and the change that we can have in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm like. I don't know, I'm weird about anniversaries too. I'm a, I'm a nostalgic emotional person, as you know. And anniversaries to me are big deals. I don't know. It's just like the human experience and to think about what we went through and be in that place, but
1: we're in a different place now and remember and reminisce to me is just I don't know, it's huge. Anniversaries are so interesting too because even if we don't maybe realize that a date is coming up that has affected us negative or positively, our like emotional and physical well being can be affected, even if we don't even realize and then when we look, we go, oh, wow. It See, was a year ago that this happened. It was seven years ago that this happened. And We don't even always realize or connect the two.
0: And you've told me that. You've told yeah. me that your emotions live in the body. So I guess we should do our introductions too first. Sure. So my name's Janine. I'm an addict in recovery. <laughs> my sobriety date is January 15th, 2015.
1: My name's Kimberly Walker. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist.
0: So, and the reason I wanted to throw that in is because when Kim does give insight like that, it's coming from a professional standpoint. And I remember you telling me that emotions like that can kind of live in your body, Mm -hmm. right? And come up again around the anniversary. Yeah. So, so that's another reason why I like to look at it. So this is a, again, I feel like I start every podcast this way by saying, what a dumbass (sighs) story of mine. Again. So this is July of 2013. And we are July 2021 now. So in July of 2013, and I remember telling you when we started the podcast, I wanted to start it in June, July, or August, right? because June, July, and August of 2013 were the most, to this day, the most insane time of my life. I was homeless the whole time. It was the longest I'd been homeless. Mm -hmm. My drug use was the heaviest. I was doing the most criminal activity. I was getting arrested. I got arrested multiple times during that period. Mm -hmm. I was charged with a really serious felony. They were maybe going to give me a strike. I was, you know, looking at prison time. So July, 2013. So what had happened was in early June, we'd been evicted from our apartment. Mm -hmm. And again, for anyone that's new, typically who I'm talking about is this particular ex that I had that I used with. And I used the name Evan, which is not his real name, but that's like the person that I did the most criminal activity with and lived with during that time. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's important to interject here that I release him of all culpability and blame. Yeah. Yeah. None of this was his fault. And we'll do a whole episode about that at some point, but none of this was his fault. And I thought it was Mm because I hadn't done heroin until I met him, Yeah, but it was not his fault Mm -hmm. at all. So uh, Evan and I had been evicted and we'd been like, we'd been bouncing around, from place to place because he got money once a month. Mm -hmm. And so when he got his money, we would get like a week at a motel Mm -hmm. and shower and do whatever else. And then for the rest of the month after we like ran out of that week or the two nights or whatever, when we ran out of money, then we would be like scrounging around, Mm -hmm. you know, sleeping outside, sleeping on the beach. There was a park near my mom's house Mm -hmm. that we slept at one night, but then she saw us. Mm -hmm. She was walking Daisy the next day Mm -hmm. and she saw us like sleeping under a picnic table. Mm
1: -hmm. And it
0: was... I mean, it, was, it wasn't the end of the world. She knew I was out and about and homeless. Right. But I remember waking up and she was like, well, hi. And just acted like it was normal to see us out there on a Sunday morning at <laughs> seven in the morning and like watch her dog across the park. And, you know, so one of the places that we found, well, I also I had a Jeep parked in her driveway mm-hmm. that was dead mm-hmm. and no longer ran. And I did not have a license. Yeah. But I had the key to the Jeep. So. We would stay in the Jeep at night. Mm -hmm. So we would just kind of do our little stupid hustles. Mm -hmm. There's a Walmart there. We could steal and do returns. There are all these like addict hustles. Yeah. There's a Home Depot nearby. So we'd steal things, return things, get gift cards, trade them, you know, shit like that. Mm -hmm. So we would do our hustles during the day, stay in the Jeep at night. And that actually worked for like two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then they saw us in the Jeep. Your mom. Yes. Uh My stepdad actually saw us. My dumbass. This is how they saw us. <laughs> Evan left his shoes uh-huh. like it, like we lived there, outside the door. The door. Like Yeah. Uh-huh. Like he had knocked the dirt off of them, like if it was your house. Right. And he would left his shoes outside. And so Mike was walking Daisy uh-huh. and was walking back to the house and saw men's shoes because we would lay down right. when they walked by. And he saw men's shoes outside the Jeep <laughs> and walked up and looked in and saw both of us like. There you were. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> like needles everywhere and it's yeah. like laying there. And so that got busted. So the next place we found, which is where the story happened, was so a buddy of ours, right in Oceanside, like on the beach, mm-hmm. had found a house that was by all accounts abandoned. Yeah. So, and there was a for sale sign out front and it was a massive mansion. Mm-hmm. You know how there's, you know, like, Not kind of the PCH, but then there are some of those other roads that run literally right by the beach and they're like beach mansions. Mm -hmm. So it was a beach mansion. It had like 12 rooms. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it was, there was a for sale sign out front and there was a sticker, a giant orange sticker on the garage Mm -hmm. that all of us were afraid to go look at because it was only like 10 feet from the road. Mm -hmm. So we didn't want to go look. And I eventually figured out what the sticker said. But I knew that that probably related to why it was abandoned. Yeah. So I didn't know if it said like it had been condemned and it was about to fall down. Mm. Like I didn't know what that sticker said, but there Mm -hmm. was a for sale sign and a sticker up and the place was abandoned. And our buddy had broken in through the beach side. Mm -hmm. So we had gotten the door open and we were like going in and out of the door. So we moved into this abandoned Mm. beach mansion. Mm -hmm. But all of, so the power had been shut off, the water had been shut off, and all of the fixtures had been removed. Mm-hmm. So there was just like holes in the ground in the bathrooms where the tub and the toilet would have been. There were some like cabinets in the sink or in the kitchen, yeah. but the sink was removed and there oh, was so no there power. Toilets. No, there was no oh, toilets. Okay. There was just holes in the ground. Yeah. So there was nothing in there. And I didn't know what was going on. It looked like it was for sale, but it was abandoned. But I didn't know if people were going to come back. And there were houses really close to it on either side, like giant mansions with Mm -hmm. only like, you know, 20 feet between them. Right. That were occupied. Yes. It Mm -hmm. was by Buccaneer Park. Mm -hmm. There's like that. It goes over a bridge and then goes up. It was right there. Mm -hmm. So we started staying there and hanging out there. Mm -hmm. And this is why I wanted to share this story. Yeah. While we were there, it was the scaredest I have ever been it it was one of the most afraid I've ever been in my entire, in my entire life, yeah, because I knew I know what residential burglary is, yeah, and residential burglary carries a strike in California mm-hmm. and all you have to do to mandate residential burglary is be in a building that could be inhabited uh-. Uh-huh it doesn't matter if it, if it's reasonable to live there, Mm -hmm. if somebody could, if it's a dwelling that could be inhabited, it's residential burglary and it's a strike. Mm -hmm. And I knew every single night that we were in that place, we were risking a strike. Mm -hmm. And Evan and our friend did not seem to have any real awareness of this or understand this, but you know me, like I, I Mm -hmm. still kind of had my wits about, you know, I knew what we were doing and I was already out. I had just gotten out from the check case. Mm -hmm. I printed checks Mm -hmm. and i just gotten out from that. So we're staying in this abandoned house at night and I was so, so, so paranoid
1: because
0: it was also really hard for me to hit and find a vein. And so at night, Evan would want to turn a flashlight on Mm. so that we could see, Mm -hmm. but there was windows everywhere. It was a beach mansion and we would fight every night. And I was like, dude, you can't have a flash. Here's how rich people work. Mm. The Joneses and the Smiths yeah. know that the Leibowitzes yeah. don't live here right now and that they're vacationing in Nantucket. Mm-hmm. They all know that. They're rich people.
1: Yeah. So
0: if they see a light bouncing around in here, they're going to call the cops. Like, that's what rich people do. Mm-hmm. Don't run your flashlight in here. Mm-hmm. So we would fight and he would run it anyways because he never listened to me. Yeah. So I was just deathly afraid all the time that the cops were going to show up and I was going to get a strike and go to prison for residential burglary. Mm -hmm. And we stayed there for several weeks and he had stolen some pillows from, there was like condos next door and and one of them was a model home Mm. and he'd walked in there and stolen some pillows. Mm -hmm. So we were staying, I kept changing my mind where I thought it was safest to sleep. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And there was a room in the very front of the house that had windows that looked directly on the street. Mm -hmm. So I ended up deciding that if we stayed there, I could jump up and look. Mm -hmm. So we were just, and I think I've told you this part before. We had those um, camping blankets. Oh yeah. Yeah. That are like aluminum or whatever Mm -hmm. they look like. They're like plastic and they make a bunch of noise, Mm -hmm. but they reflect heat, like space blankets, Mm -hmm. just total, like the most tweaker scenario you can imagine. So Mm -hmm. stolen pillows, space blankets. Yeah water bottles to brush our teeth, mm-hmm. you know, squatting in this house. We were going to the bathroom in the holes in the mm-hmm. floor. Um, so it was obviously filth was like building up. Right. We'd been there for a few weeks. And we were so ludicrous. We would tell people like, yeah, we've really got it together. We're living in a house by the beach now. Yeah. I told my mom that. I was like, we've got this great place by the beach if you want to check it out. Yeah. I'm gonna like, ask her what she really thought when you told her that. <laughs> ask her when she's on. Yeah. You guys, my mom is going to be the next guest. So, ask her what she thought if she remembered. She's blacked out some of the things, though, too. Yeah. So, I don't know if, she, but I'm sure she remembers the beach house mm-hmm. because I was calling it the beach house. Yeah. So, we were staying in the front room, laying on pillows with these space blankets. Uh huh. And I would stare at the ceiling. His dumbass would fall asleep. I should call him a dumbass. No, you should. Evan would fall asleep. But he didn't understand the residential burglary charge. He thought it was like b and like breaking and entering. Yeah. And I was like, no fool, this is residential burglary. This carries a strike. Mm-hmm. This is a really big deal. And we have records. Mm-hmm. It's massive. And I, I don't know, he didn't really care or whatever. It didn't bother him as much. And I would lay there under my stupid crinkly space blanket, uh-huh. making noise too. Of course. Staring at the ceiling and tears would just be like running down my face, mm-hmm. but I wasn't actively crying. I was just so terrified. Tears would just be like leaking from my face. Yeah. And it was like just utter despair. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I can remember right now laying there. Yeah. So we're laying there one night and I saw Kim. I swear I saw. I swear I saw. Also for you guys listening. So I'm shooting heroin, shooting meth at this time. Lots of heroin, lots of meth. Mm
1: -hmm. That was our
0: game. So I'm laying there. And I saw red and blue lights flashing suddenly Mm -hmm. in the driveway, like uh, through the room. Yeah. And I thought, holy shit, the cops are here. Mm -hmm. You know, finally, somebody called them or whatever. So I think I tried. I think I tried to grab him. Mm -hmm. I would have tried to grab him. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have just left him. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I was like, cops, bro, cops, get up. And we didn't have anybody staying with us that night. It was just us. Mm -hmm. And so I leapt up and then barefoot. So it was a long kind of house and the sliding glass door was on the sand. Mm -hmm. Like it was like on the sand beach mansion. So I jump up in the front room, Mm -hmm. run out. And there was a set of stairs that went down a hallway, another upstairs, Mm -hmm. and then another down and then the back. So I'm like... You know that song, She's a Runner, She's a Track Star? <laughs> no, I don't know. It. If somebody could have filmed me running and put the sound of She's a Runner, She's a Track Star, people make goofy TikToks with them, it would have laid perfectly yeah. <laughs> over my cracked out, ridiculous, like hair flying, barefoot, my glasses with the one lens. Yeah. Because also, if you're just tuning in, by this time I was wearing glasses that only had one lens. in them. And Janine doesn't have good sight. So that and I have terrible sight. Good. So I'm also blind <laughs> yeah. with one lens half blind yeah so i jump up spread <laughs> down the stairs across up the stairs and evan's going baby baby and i'm like come on you know <laughs> so i hit the slang glass door throw the slang glass door open uh-huh. there's a deck with no fence because mm-hmm. i think they were doing construction so like there probably should have been a fence there but there wasn't a bunch of rocks mm. and i can't believe i didn't eat it on these rocks and kill myself but i think i was like on so much like adrenaline yeah that i just like Flew over the rocks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hit the sand. (laughs) I remember looking up and I was like, I looked right and left. And I just beelined it left. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Down the coast. On the beach though. On the beach. Right. Middle of the night. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Two in the morning. One in the morning. Running. Mm -hmm. hauling ass down the beach. As fast as I could. Mm -hmm. For like, as far as I could. Which for a method, addict was like, not very far. So I don't know how far I got. Not a mile. You know. (laughs) Probably like... I don't know. I can't barely run now. So 500 feet, fa- I don't know. Hauling an ass. And then I thought, I can't believe I'm sharing this story. And then I thought, I should hide. I should hide. Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, how are like, you hearing anything behind you? Not or- at this moment. Yeah.
0: No, no, no. But I, fr- I knew they would be chasing me because the cops will chase you. They will. Yeah. So some of this is not completely outside the realm of possibility no, that they no, no, found no, no. out this criminal couple who has ties, you know, who has ties in the community. Yeah they got sight on us. He's a fourth waiver. Mm -hmm. They show up, they would absolutely chase us down.
1: Right. So, so there's some, there is some possibility. I think I'm just thinking of all the stories I've heard of people calling and saying, people are chasing me or this is what's happening and me going and being like, I don't see anybody. So this is that scenario. Yeah, I'm one of
0: could I'm be one that. of those people. Yeah. In but also could be chasing us if we are doing drugs. That's yeah. why it's so scary. In the yeah. Kim goes on these calls and has yeah. to tell people the harsh truth, which is that <laughs> nobody's chasing them. So I'm hauling ass down the beach and I, there's a little bluff. You know how that like, there's a bluff before some of the mansions mm-hmm. of sand. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking, i the left. Uh-huh. Quick. Jump up in one of those bluffs. Mm-hmm. Bury myself in sand. Yeah. Foot to neck. Yeah. Cover myself in sand. Mm-hmm. So I'm laying there in the sand, an adult woman <laughs> with just my head out. Yeah. With my one glasses, hair everywhere. And I bury myself in the sand oh and I start goodness. looking down the beach. And there were red lights mm-hmm. in a line. Mm. And I thought... It was cops on the like the thingies on the beach. Yeah, the they're
1: you know what like yeah. I don't. I know what you're talking about. Like you ride them in the Almost desert. It's like an ATV, but it's not. It's an ATV, but the cop kind yeah. ATV. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> those guys
0: are on ATVs looking for me. I can mm-hmm. see them. And then I realized, and then I realized, oh, sh- or is that buoys in the water? Mm. What am I looking at here? Because yeah. I was like right by the water. So you're trying to do some reality. Tricks, I was trying so to do some. Reality reality yeah. Yes. And meanwhile, I feel crabs and things crawling over my feet mm. in the sand. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to evaluate whether or not I think that that is cops and ATVs or if it is lights on the ocean. Yep. And I can see it right now, what they look like. But you also have contacts. <laughs> I also have contacts right now. True. But yeah. I mean, like, in my mind, right. I, I can what see what
1: it looked like. You're right. So my vision so was you, Your vision was <laughs> impaired. You had one good eye. It's except- Depending on it, last time you'd gotten your glasses checked. Full of meth and heroin. One right. good eye. Very
0: so. Yes. That would be an accurate description. Maybe sweat from running. Sweat, for sure. <laughs> However long I'd been running. So I laid there, and then I'm thinking, too, well, they definitely would have got Evan because he didn't run with me. Yeah. So I'm like, they got him, he wouldn't have told them where I was or anything. Right. But if they got him, they know I'm not far behind. Mm-hmm. You know, the cops knew us. So... I'm like, they're definitely chasing me down. So I waited there for a while, Mm -hmm. a couple hours, Mm. a long time. Yeah. And then I finally realized I decided it was buoys because they were not ever getting closer and like a lot of time had passed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I get up and I knock all the sand off me. Mm. And, but now I'm between more mansions, right? People Mm. are home and I'm like, shit. So I go between the houses and I'm, Further south in, in Oceanside and I walk out to the to the the road mm-hmm. and I'm kind of looking around and there's like occasionally a car is driving by and I'm like an obvious like straggler. Mm-hmm. And Evan and I had a because we were often in situations like this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if we had to find each other, yeah, we'd go <laughs> Yeah, like a <laughs> the whistle from three amigos is yeah. what it is.
1: It's like a call sign
0: Yes, and it's that. We can't do it right now because I'm laughing. Uh-huh. That, And then the other person would do it back. Mm-hmm. So we knew it was us. Yeah. Not another addict, not another, not a cop. Mm-hmm. Although you wouldn't have to be, you know, yeah. brilliant People to crack that code. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure if there was a detective nearby, it yeah. might be like, okay, and whistle back. <laughs> yeah. But felt foolproof. So I'm whistling and I hear after, or uh, I'm not doing it yet because I uh-huh. hear. Uh-huh. Baby, baby. Uh And I'm like, (laughs) I'm doing it. And I creep closer and I see Evan. So Evan's huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Six feet tall, 200, you know, big guy. Yeah. It's huge. I see a giant bald guy coming down the road on a tricycle, the kid thing. Uh huh. A big wheels, a big wheels. Coming down the street on a big wheel. How did he even fit on that? He he barely did. And I don't even know why it was his chosen method of transportation. Right. There's no way that running was going to be slower. than that. Right. So he's on a big wheels. Uh-huh. And he's grabbed it from a yard. Mm-hmm. I don't know. In an attempt to look for me faster. Yeah. The addicts in the conversation will understand. Sure, you find a big wheel, you pick it up. Yeah. Like, feel smart. <laughs> so I'm like, you're, you're okay. They didn't get you. Uh-huh. And he's like, who? And I'm like, dude, the cops were there. And he was like, no, Jameen, you suddenly jumped up, screamed that the police were there, and ran out like your ass was on fire. No one was there. So what I think happened is I saw brake lights. Okay. Or (laughs) nothing at all. But I was not in the – I was not – I didn't often have moments like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's Uh why this one stands out. So – he picks up the big wheels uh-huh. and we return to our beach beach house. Beach house. Uh-huh. We went back to our beach mansion uh-huh. and we actually stayed there for a few more nights and then he robbed, there was a bunch of, there was condos nearby uh-huh. and he was stealing TVs out of that, the model unit that uh-huh. he'd taken the pillows and he dropped one. It was a giant big flat screen TV and it dropped and, the, and made a bunch of noise and we couldn't go back because they, they definitely called the police. Oh man. Yeah. So we, we abandoned the beach mansion. Yeah. So that was the last time there. So, yeah. So that's what happened. Yeah. And so I have a few reasons for wanting to share this story in particular. One is the primary reason I share anything ever is to. So I went. I got back into choices. Three and a half weeks later, Mm -hmm. which is which is the rehab that I used Mm -hmm. to go to all the time. And I got back in. Four or five weeks later, we got picked up on, we got arrested for the robbery, the big one, Mm -hmm. and they left him in, let me out. That's when I went. If you guys are listening and you want to go back and listen to Strong Arm Robbery, that's that incident. Mm -hmm. So I want to share this because it's so embarrassing Mm -hmm. to have been someone Mm -hmm. that was burying myself in the sand Mm -hmm. on the beach somewhere, Yeah, you know? And so I, and I feel far away from it now, Mm -hmm. but when I first got into rehab four or five weeks later, it's hard to be in early recovery Mm -hmm. and be that close to something that you did that's so embarrassing. Mm -hmm. So the main reason I'm sharing it is so that if anybody hears this Mm -hmm. and did something like that, I want you to know that we were all doing the same kind of ridiculous things
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and I was in, you could probably make a good case that I was in some degree of meth psychosis Uh and I am fully fine. And I was fully fine a few weeks later. Mm -hmm. And there's an, there's a narrative with some addicts that, oh, I'm just so fucked up. I'm never going to be the same. I'm never going to be the same. Mm -hmm. And I really try to fight against that. Yeah. Our brain has, we, regenerative powers. Yes that are pretty astounding mm-hmm. and I have all of my faculties and I did kind of shortly after that.
1: So that's the other reason. Why I'm right. Which is amazing. It's not the case necessarily for everybody, Mm-mm. but I do probably not. But... I do feel like that can instill hope in people of like, there's regenerative power in our brains. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: And you don't always have to be the person that was, you know, buried in the sand. Right. Basically. The other really important part of this was something that I realized at the time. Mm -hmm. So I got into rehab four or five weeks later and I was super sick and detox, Mm -hmm. so I left. I had 12 days, Mm -hmm. I'd done my Suboxone taper and I was dog sick. And this is, we talked about this in the episode Tracks and Tracks in Mm -hmm. season one. I was dog sick, so I left overnight. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get well and come back was my plan which I kind of did. Mm-hmm. And when I went back the next day, which I did go back, the intake coordinator, who is not my biggest fan mm-hmm. at all, for relatively good reason, right, pulled me in a little office. And he was like, why the fuck would I let you back? Do mm-hmm. you know what that signals to every other person in this program? That you can leave, get well, and come back. Yeah, You can leave, use, and come back. Mm-hmm. You know." And I remember what I said to him, and I got super sincere in this moment. I said, yeah, like, I understand that. Mm -hmm. Here's why I want to come back. And I don't know why you should let me, but this is why I want to come back. Mm -hmm. For the first time in as long as I can remember, while I was here for 12 days, like, I wasn't waking up in
1: terror. Yeah.
0: I I wasn't in fear Mm -hmm. for the first time. And I just want to, like...
1: I would like to be safe again. Right. And I think you were meaning physically and emotionally. Yes. Am I right? Because mm-hmm. I think it, we can't really be emotionally safe if we're not physically safe. That's a good point. Um, because we're That's trying true. to get our basic needs met, right? It's that yeah. idea of like, I can't keep myself safe. So a lot of times, like when I was working with youth on probation, I was like, I can't expect this kid to do deeper level psychological work when they're like, I wonder where my next meal is coming from. Oh, that's true. And so there's that idea of like, you had physical safety there to then explore the emotional stuff, which you can't do without the physical safety. And so to be there, it was more than just not, where am I getting my next meal? I'm not going to get robbed in the middle of the night, things like that to like, this is a safe space. I can sleep here. Maybe it's not my ideal place, but I feel safe to now kind of explore the emotional kind of stuff that's been keeping me where I've been.
0: That's true. That's a really good point. And I don't think I ever thought of that, but you're right.
1: How can you possibly
0: be emotionally safe when you're not physically safe? Mm -hmm. So he let me back in largely because of that statement. And I remember he went, oh, wow. And I saw like a real moment from him, Mm -hmm. which was rare. And he freaking let me stay, yeah. which was amazing. And I realized within five or six weeks of that, what had been happening in that house. Mm-hmm. So the legal fear was real. Yeah. Right. I that, that was a clear and present threat that I could get charged with this mm-hmm. strikeable offense. So there was that. But the abject terror and despair, how do you define that? I've gone to jail before. So, how do you define the, the mm-hmm. terror behind that? Mm-hmm. Which also, a huge part of that, though, was being dope sick. Mm-hmm. I, 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 in my in my bones, was so afraid of being dope sick all the time. And, of and any, the show is for all addicts and alcoholics. But if you're a heroin addict, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like there's a time bomb inside your body. So, fear of being dope sick, fear of legal ramifications. But also, so there's a term in the program and 12 step work called spiritual spiritually bankrupt mm-hmm. and spiritually bankrupt to me always meant like being like an asshole. Like mm-hmm. you're spiritually bankrupt. You're not coming from a good place ever. And I think it can mean that. Yeah. But then I also came to know a different definition of it. And and I've pieced this together more over the years. What I was feeling mm-hmm. was so, you know, like, and I was thinking before we recorded, when would you feel this? Like, how could I relate this to you? Mm. So like when I'm making a a mix sometimes for spin, Mm -hmm. I'll get into a place of like flow, like workflow, Mm -hmm. where it just feels really right. Yeah. Right. Like I'm in flow with Mm -hmm. what, what should be, and it feels almost like it's coming from like outside of you, Mm -hmm. like almost like guided or sometimes when I'm teaching spin Mm -hmm. and I get off the bike and I'm walking around, like, I feel like I'm in flow and I'm connected to my larger purpose, yeah, or when we're recording mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know, like I can get into a place, I mean, today, honestly, I'm a little nervous because we have the live going, but I'll look, there's nobody on there, oh, no, there's a few. I'm a little <laughs> nervous because we've got the live going. I'm trying yeah. to pretend it's not there, but but for the most part, I can get into flow when I'm talking about my stories and addiction, and I think that what that is, so well, let me ask you this, do mm-hmm. you feel that way when you're doing things? I think on your new job, you do,
1: yeah, I think so. I mean, it feels like. When we are confident in the choices and the things that we're doing, and then also serving like what we think is our purpose yes. with passion almost to yes. not be super cheesy, but like, that's kind of what it sounds like to me. That's what it feels like. That's what it sounds like to me too. And then I'm going to, I take that a step further. Mm-hmm. And I think
0: that that purpose is divinely guided and ordered. Mm-hmm. So connected to a higher power, a God, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I in that moment I was so fucking far yeah yes from any God related purpose or moment in my life Mm -hmm. like so I wasn't just alone I was like spiritually alone like dark blank hole where my soul was supposed to be Mm -hmm. and I think that's the terror and the aloneness that I felt and a lot of what twelve step tries to do is reintroduce people to a spiritual connection so that and i think that's why i've never felt that terror since or before mm. because even right now with the studio you know like it's hard it's yeah. hard all the time but i've never felt that alone again right you know when other things are going on because i do feel connected again to higher power mm-hmm. and if you're newer to this show um, well, no, I don't want to apologize for it. I was about to say, I'm going to apologize for doing a little bit of a spiritual twist, but I don't want to, cause it's a master yeah. part of the program and I'm not suggesting wording for anyone to use. So it could be higher power, universal source, some sort of feeling that you're connected to your purpose. Mm-hmm. Cause like you are not a necessarily, you know, believer in the typical sense, mm-hmm. but you feel guided in your choice of career and what you do for people. I'm assuming, right? Yeah, right. Definitely. So basically the feeling that we're like plugged in. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and I didn't feel that. And I think that's why I was so scared. So I thought Kim and I have talked about making this an episode at some point where I talk about the AA third step prayer, Mm -hmm. because I think it is such an amazing prayer, not just for people in recovery, but for anybody Mm -hmm. and the way that it can get us focused and dialed in. And it's very specific in its language. Mm -hmm. So I just want to go over that with you guys. So I I want to make sure I don't get it wrong. So Kim's actually going to pull it up on her phone. I know it, but I can just see myself when we're actually being recorded, like blowing it. (laughs) She doesn't even know the prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. So a lot of people, when they read the big book or when they read something like this, they feel like that's like Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. So my third step, what my sponsor had me do Mm
1: -hmm.
0: was memorize this. And that's actually all she said was memorize it. But that wasn't really going to work for me. Mm -hmm. I needed to make it make sense. And I talk about that on the show sometimes. Like when I read the NA just for today every day, which is part of my morning routine. Um, and I recommend doing this in recovery. Try not to just like look at the words, but make allow it to come alive for you in some way. Like the just for today today Mm -hmm. was about stumbling when you're newly in recovery. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You look to other people at the meetings Mm -hmm. to look for guidance in those earlier days. And that's why we share stories. Right. And so when I read that, I I see that as a very, it's very obvious for me. Okay. How am I embodying this? I'm doing my show today.
1: Yeah. And I think that the really interesting part is as like part of someone's therapy process, or just like if we're trying to learn a new thing, sometimes it doesn't really like click with us that first time. Right. So it's like, let me figure out how it works. But our or like it's really interesting. Our mind like takes it when we're ready to kind of thing, or when yeah. it, when it like clicks with something. That's so probably it's true. Kind too. of like, right. um, but yeah, to to really do the work than just reading the words, it helps you really understand it and process it and then utilize it.
0: Well, yeah, it makes it real.
1: Yeah, and then also,
0: it just it it it, it makes it so much more powerful in the moment mm-hmm. when I'm actually g- giving it some thought because I do my morning routine here at the studio mm-hmm. and I'm sometimes kind of rushed. So um, it forces me to slow down Mm -hmm. when I give it this meeting. Yeah. So I want to break it down for our audience. So the first line is my favorite line, which is, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou will. Mm -hmm. So the way that I see that is you're asking God, the universe, whatever, to partner with you Mm -hmm. and co-create. You'll hear some people call it co-creating. Your life and co-creating your reality. Mm-hmm. You're asking for that for a connection. And like to me, that's a powerful partner in business. Yeah. So it's almost like partnering in business. Like mm-hmm. I when I invited you to do this show with me, mm-hmm. it was a co-collaboration. And how helpful is it to have somebody else with you yeah. collaborating on an idea? It's easier than going on it at your own. Yeah. So to me, reading this very first line. I offer myself to thee to build with me. Mm-hmm. So we're working together, which also means it's not going to be something I don't want to do. Yeah. Right. It's going to be something I want to do and that you think I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And We can get together here and I've got your power and I'm here on earth to do it. Mm-hmm. And then to do with me as thou wilt, what you're thinking, what I'm thinking, teamwork, like let's yeah. do this. And to me, that's a very, I think that's a cool way to open it up. Like yes. build with me. Let's do something together. Mm-hmm. You know, put me in your purpose. And so that first line already gets us a little bit connected. And then the second one is probably one of the most important ones to me, too. I'm probably going to say that with every single line. <laughs> I feel like I already said it on the first one. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. The bondage of self, for me, is my vanity. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even love having the TikTok over there where I can't filter what I look like. Right? <laughs> you know how I am. This is true. Super vain. Super vain. All the time. <laughs> hate that. That's why I'll light Charles. <laughs> and also being embarrassed about my stories. Mm-hmm. That would be the bondage of self. My yeah. ego stopping me from mm-hmm. progressing. So relieve my vanity, mm-hmm. my ego about this. And I think embodying that line is what allowed me to feel comfortable to share Mm -hmm. because I believe my purpose is to share. Yeah. But myself maybe wouldn't want to Mm -hmm. because all of my friends are kind of like you. They're super Mm -hmm. successful. And it was very scary for me when I started teaching here and I met women like you Mm -hmm. to be like, Yeah, while you were getting your, you know, clinical therapist license, I was living in a beach house by myself in meth psychosis. Yeah. You know, it was hard. But that's the ego stuff.
1: Right. And And everybody has and everybody has that self stuff.
0: That's why I think mm-hmm. that this prayer is great for anybody. Yeah. We all have something that's getting a, that's getting in the way of maybe our primary purpose because we're holding on to some sort of like ego side. Mm-hmm. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help. This one is huge to me too. Mm-hmm. This one I take really, 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 really seriously. As you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: my story involves so many miracles. Yeah. It's like weird. Mm-hmm. Somebody gave me the car. Yep. I own this place now. Mm-hmm. I got that house at three years with no credit mm-hmm. that I could afford. Like, guys, weird miracles. And I think that this is why. Mm. That part, take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to others.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I share about them. Mm. And I think that's why I keep getting help. Because I tell people afterwards, I just got this assistance I invite you into the fold because yep. this is where it's good. You know what I mean? And, and and the first time I embodied that, so guys, I never shared at meetings ever. Mm-hmm. I was very scared to share at meetings, which is weird because now I have this podcast. Yeah, But I never stood up and shared at meetings. I started primarily in NA mm-hmm. and there was this meeting I loved and you had to walk to the front of the room and they didn't call on you. You had to volunteer. And I never, ever, ever stood up and spoke ever mm-hmm. because I was,
1: first of all, I'd start crying. Yeah. There might have not been too, like we just talked about that physical safety And which leads to emotional safety of feeling like maybe, and it doesn't even mean that it was around you. It was like within yourself of like, it's terrifying to be vulnerable. Right. It's so scary. I also was such a chronic
0: relapser Mm -hmm. and you know, I don't love that word, but whatever. Sometimes I use the terminology that we all recognize. I was what they would call a chronic relapser Mm -hmm. and everybody like knew that Mm -hmm. in my area Mm -hmm. And nobody liked me a whole lot because I would go live in your sober living because a lot of people in recovery also own sober livings. Mm -hmm. So I would like bounce from the women that own sober livings and like get them to let me move in for a deal. Mm -hmm. And then I would relapse use in the place and like pass a drug test and there would be this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And like, I wasn't loved in that area. Mm -hmm. And so maybe just do a screenshot of it. Although I kind of know it now. Um, Her phone keeps (laughs) going off. Um, but I would never share. Also, I thought I didn't have anything valuable to say right. because I couldn't get any time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, what am I going to say? Because people would stand up at like 16 days right. and be like, I'm like, I, what am I going to say at 16 days? What am I going to say at 90 days? Yeah. Like, I'm such a piece of shit. I have nothing to say to these people, you know? Right. Nothing. I have no value. Which to myself, to, to my of self. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you're right. Because also ego. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know how that would be perceived. Yeah. You know? But- at seven months, somebody gave me a car Mm -hmm. and we will do an episode about that. Actually, it was in July. It was on my exact, um, seven months. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't have been July. It would have been August 15th. Mm -hmm. So at eight months, I got a car Mm -hmm. or seven months. I got a car and the story is a miracle. I was nowhere near buying a car and I was at the end of my rope taking public transportation. Yeah. I was going to relapse. I was on the verge of relapse. And within a few weeks of me having this massive realization that I was not going to be able to get one, somebody gifted me a car for free. Yeah. Changed my life. Mm -hmm. And I thought about this part of the prayer and I thought, man, this is huge. Mm -hmm. Someone gave me a car. This doesn't happen all the time. Mm -hmm. Take away my difficulties that victory may bear witness. I have to stand up and share this because mm-hmm. I got it. So I would share it. Yeah. And I felt that. So I stood up for like the first time at a meeting and I did cry the whole time. Yeah. And I said, I just feel like I need to share with you guys that someone gave me a car and I was on like the verge of relapse, mm-hmm. you know, take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those. I would help if Thy power, Thy love and Thy way of life. And then the last sentence, may I do, I will always check in. Mm-hmm even with the show, I feel like I need to check in. Like before you got here, I did my breath work and Mm -hmm. I want to make sure because like, obviously I want it to be big. Right. And I want us to be able to get sponsors and like, have it be a whole thing. But I want to make sure I'm staying true to the values that I started the show with. Mm -hmm. And then I'm never like selling out, you know what I mean? So like, riding that line. So like, that's my check-in. Yeah. You know, make sure I'm covering the topics that you think I need to cover. Mm -hmm. What do I need to get to here basically? Mm -hmm. So that brought me out of that spiritual bankrupt place. Mm -hmm. And so this to me, it's part of my morning routine. After I do my, you know, the little list I do and the breath work and all that stuff, I say this prayer and I try to live it. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that this would be a good episode to share that.
1: Definitely. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. Of course. I know it's not always easy to share these things that you may still like carry shame around, but like you said, it's, it's healing for you and it could be really healing for other people.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's probably, it, it started being healing for me when I, I started here at the uh-huh. studio. I just kind of started letting little stories out here and there mm-hmm. and people thought they were like hilarious and ridiculous mm-hmm. because they saw me teaching spin yeah, and being totally fine. And they're like, how's the person in front of me Mm-hmm. Someone that buried yourself on a beach. Yeah, And so I started seeing that for one thing, it never changed anybody's perception of me. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I want to interject here. I'm in fitness. I'm not like a lawyer or a banker, right? Like it, d- depending on your field of expertise, I don't know that you want to share this stuff, mm-hmm. right? You can, you can recover in other ways. But for me, it was not, it was actually seriously adding to my, yeah. Yeah. And you didn't do my it classes. No, and I didn't do it day one. Do you remember
1: I, the first time that you shared any sort of, because I, it's, uh, how long have I been coming? I think five years You've been now. coming here for at least five years, taking my class. And I remember I took a class, I don't remember when it was, and she mentioned something and I thought, oh, I wonder if Janine is, was an alcoholic, is an alcoholic. I right. It's so interesting because it was kind of vague and I had really no vague. idea. But do you remember the first time that you shared any little something and how you felt Leading up to it, did it just come out and then how you felt after it? Yes. The very first time I shared was I got my two years mm-hmm. and I wanted to post it
0: on Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram, but I had not yet shared it openly. And what you heard me doing in the studio was I would say something like I used to be really sick. Yeah. And I thought that I was never going to teach again. Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful to be here with you guys. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being here. There was a time in my life when it looked like I was never going to teach again. Yeah. That's what I would say. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know if people constructed that to mean that I had been physically sick, but in the beginning, that's kind of what I made it sound like. Yeah. And then my two years... I wanted to post it, and I was really afraid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my friend Barbara, she was a maid of honor at my wedding. Mm -hmm. I even called her, and I was like, hey, dude, I'm about to post this. I need you to love it and comment right away. You know who I am with (laughs) that kind of stuff. I make my friends comment on myself. I'm like, I'm about to do this. You need to write something. So I called Barbara, and she was like, all right, I'll do it. You know, Barbara, you know, my Georgia friend. She was like, I'll do it right now. (laughs) <laughs> and then I dragged my feet for like 15 minutes, and she and she called me, and she was like, "I'm sitting here by the phone," and I was like, "Oh my god, of course, okay." Like of all the people I had to ask for backup, you know, the <laughs> most aggressive friend. So I posted about my two years, mm-hmm. and I don't remember what I said. I could go back and look. And although I deleted it from Instagram
1: mm-hmm. when I
0: got hired at Psychobar, Bar, mm-hmm. I panicked because it was an outside studio. Yeah, and I deleted it, and I now know that Kelly wouldn't have cared. Yeah, but I panicked. So at four years or whatever I had mm. when I started teaching at Cycle Bar, I, I, I deleted that. But not from Facebook. So I posted it there. Mm-hmm. And the support I got was overwhelming. Mm. I mean, you know, within an hour. Yeah. Not that we do it for the validation. But in the beginning, oh, my God, it was so helpful. Because if I had gotten crickets. Because you were terrified. I was terrified. Yeah. I was terrified. Also, the owners, the previous owners of this studio knew. Mm. They already knew, so mm. I knew I was safe, like work-wise. Mm-hmm. And they were always really cool about it. They never even they never even batted an eye. Yeah, it was weird. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what I told them. Yeah, you know, they're they're mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. so I don't know, yeah. but it was I appreciated it, of course. And then the next time I came in, mm-hmm. one of our very good friends who is sober but not open about it, so I'm not saying her name right mm-hmm. now. She came in. Mm-hmm and walked up to me and she's super cool i didn't know her that well Mm -hmm. and she was like dude (laughs) i saw your thing i just got two years too yeah and i was like really and she was like the last person i would have thought Mm -hmm. and so so i felt much better after that and then i slowly started opening up about it a little bit more over time Mm -hmm. so cool yeah
1: I figured you'd remember the first time. I, I remember the I remember everything. That's why we have the
0: show. You know? Like the ridiculous things that I remember. Thank you guys for rejoining us. Yeah, thank you guys for coming back. We had a lot of interest in the, in our two-month break. Like we have a larger listenership now yeah. than we did before.
1: So every other week it will be Janine and I, and Or Janine and I and a guest. Yes. And then the in-between weeks, Janine's doing a very cool, like mini cast I'll call it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's available. It'll be available on YouTube too. Yes. I'm also recording them visually. So, Mm -hmm. um, make sure you check those out too. So we're essentially releasing every week now. Yeah. So we'll be releasing weekly. Um, but yeah, make sure you follow us on TikTok, Instagram at chasing heroin. There's a very cool mini podcast that'll come out about the background of the name of the podcast. Yeah, I needed to get to that because yeah.
0: I've gotten a fair amount of commentary on TikTok in particular, yeah, where people are confused and either think that I've misspelled the word. Right. Cuz heroin the drug is spelled with no e. Correct. It's a play on words. Guys. It's a play on words, but that was definitely getting missed. Yeah. So people thought either I either they thought it was spelled with an e mm-hmm. or like, "Wow, you're just you're just putting it all out there. Like, Chasing Heroin is the right. name of it. Really? And I'm like, no, 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 I mean Chasing Female Hero. Right.
1: Um, and I think the cool part is you can't see it necessarily on the handle of TikTok, but if you see our logo, the E is in a different font. Yes. And I told Janine, I think it was, what, a couple months ago, oh, my gosh, Janine, the E is in a different font. She's like, yeah, Cam, you didn't see yeah. that. So I think it's really cool. It's a play on words. Yes. She'll go into it in yes. more detail, but... It's actually really clever, you guys. It is clever. (laughs) Thank you. Basically, I found my inner
0: strength through my addiction and chasing my recovery. Yeah. But yeah, so I think that's going to be our third episode will be about that. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. We missed you. I'm super stoked to be back. Every Thursday, we'll release episodes. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Great. Thank you. So what I want to leave you guys with today is, you know, that day... That night, that morning on the beach was hideously embarrassing and scary and all that kind of stuff. And I never would have thought that anything that could come out of that night or so many other nights would benefit my life in any way. And what happened for me in those moments with that night in particular, feeling that level of fear and desperation is not something that, that leaves you and you're able to use it in a relative way later. So right now, so here I am now. July, 2021, managing my own business during a pandemic, the tail end of a pandemic. So just on face value, having had had that experience of complete desperation and fear keeps my desperation and fear now relative. Like I'm still in a lot of gratitude that I'm not as low as I was, right? So like addicts, we always have the benefit this baseline level of gratitude that gives us so much more of an appreciation for our current life despite our circumstances also prior to my addiction and some of you guys have heard me talk about this before but prior to my addiction i didn't have a lot of ways of coping with terror or you know anxiety or fear or any of the common emotions i wasn't great at coping with them right which is why i did drugs but coming out of that space not being able to drink or, you know, to take the edge off or, you know, use drugs or whatever as I move forward through the world, I learned that third step prayer as a way to manage. And that helps me right now. You guys, every single day, I still say the third step prayer and ask for guidance and ask to get connected during my current circumstances. And so I just think it's another way that addicts and alcoholics actually have so much of an advantage that after we learn the tools of recovery and that the 12 steps and the program is really just a design for living that we get to have access to. And I'm, I'm still so grateful for all of the things that I went to because it, it got me to this enhanced way of living. So thank you guys for living, for listening and we'll see you next week.